This is John Floridas. Welcome to Musicians Spotlight. Today we welcome the acclaimed drummer, composer, arranger, and bandleader, Clarence Penn. This is John Floridas. You're listening to Musicians Spotlight, and I've got a very special show for listeners today. Uh, I'm joined by phone by Clarence Penn, who is our guest for the program. And as well, I have in the studio with me here in my own studio, a drummer and percussionist, Ed Stalling, who's going to be sitting in on the interview as well. Ed, how are you doing? Doing great. Clarence, how are you doing? I am fine. The weather is opening up here in New York, and uh, yeah, I'm enjoying it. I was going to ask where you're calling us from. So you're in New York, of course, so that's good. I'm here in Brooklyn. That's right. All righty. All righty. Well, I should tell folks that we're, we're kind of welcoming you back because in the recent weeks, they will have heard your work with the American Patchwork Quartet. 
Um, and we're going to get into just a little bit of the list of the musicians that you've played with that have been on Musician Spotlight, let alone all the folks that you've worked with across the board. The most recent recording under his own name is Monk, The Lost Files. Clarence is a musician, arranger, composer, and drummer extraordinaire. One of the busiest drummers in the jazz world. He's played on Grammy award-winning albums by Maria Schneider and Randy Brecker and collaborated with Ellison Winton Marsalis. I want to touch on that a little bit later as well. Stanley Clark, Michael Brecker, Foreplay, many, many, many others. Let's, um, I'll, I'll tell listeners that originally you're from Detroit, started playing around eight years. We have the Interlocking connection. I didn't go to Interlocking, but I know a lot of folks being in the Midwest, I knew a lot of folks that went to Interlocking. Studied both at Miami University, Virginia Commonwealth. A lot of this stuff folks can find on your website. I wanted to start the interview with this quote which I believe I got from your website. Um, this is your own quote. I don't know what band, oh, this is what you, you're hoping folks will say when mm. they go into an experience of listening to you. I don't know what band he's playing with tonight or what he'll be doing, but it's going to be good and it's going to be musical. And I wanted you to elaborate on that a little bit. Well, I think my headspace and my, my headspace has always been the music should be at the forefront. Um, you know, for some reason, we got into a place where it seemed like, you know, a lot of people were just getting attention for, for technical ability. Um, and sometimes with technical ability, you, you forego the musical aspect of, of what you're doing. Um, you stop thinking. You just rely on, on that technique, those chops to, to get you through. And that impresses people, and then they clap, and then it's, you know... So it's really, you know, it can be a, a not about the music. For me, I just wanted it to be like, I want someone to have a genuine musical experience. I mean, if, if the music requires chops at that moment, then yes, it, you do that. But like the performance shouldn't be, the takeaway shouldn't be someone saying, oh my God, they, they played so fast, it was great. I want mm -hmm. them to say, you know, that piece moved me or the when that drummer hit that cymbal with a mallet i never i never thought the cymbal could sound that way it was just like a, a wave in an ocean you know sometimes you can think about uh i don't know classical composers you think about um beethoven you think about mozart <clears throat> you, you can hear the music it's not you know like okay chopin he was a great pianist he could write you know pieces that just just you know was only about technique but he mm -hmm. he didn't write that he wrote you know the harmonies are beautiful so you know it's, i think there's a time and a place for for technique to be used um and and don't get me wrong i i love technique i want to have better technique <laughs> but you know what what i i want to give the music what it needs at that moment ed did you want to follow up with anything no it, may, it makes it makes a lot of sense clarence the first time i ever met you um I was going to have actually have a lesson with Clarence, and he and Clarence said, "What have you worked on in the past?" And I sent that to you, Clarence, before the lesson. And I'll never forget when we sat down. You said the first thing: throw away all the books you've worked out of the books. It's good, but we need to get back to the music. It's it's so so important. I mean, Monk didn't have a pile of chops, but the notes that he played and the attitude and the emotion that he brought to the music, you can't say he was a, a slouch of a musician. Or you, you know, you never listen to Monk saying, "Man, I really wish he could play like, you know, Fats Waller or, or you know, or Gardner." Right? You never say that. <laughs> it's about keeping the music at the forefront because if you go up there and you serve the music, 
no one can fault you. No one can say, no one will say, oh man, that sucked. It's like, oh, he played or she played the right part, what the music needed. Clarence Penn is joining us here on Musicians Spotlight. We're also joined by drummer and percussionist Ed Stalling. 
Clarence, a couple stories that I want to get into, and I want to give credit to where credit's due. I believe the gentleman's name is Jared Faber. It was on a YouTube video that I watched. It did a real nice interview with you. Right. And and uh, so I want to give him credit for for uh, uh, for helping me out with some research by having that interview. Oh, and cool. you're in high school. You're in uh, the jazz band. Maybe it was the jazz big band. I can't remember now. And you're yeah. doing you're you're doing a um, uh, an assembly, and right. Winton's there. I'm just going to let you take over from this point. <laughs> um, it's cringeworthy yeah, so, but beautiful too. <laughs> yeah. Um, so like right that week, um, Winton was there in Detroit to play with the Detroit Symphony Orchestra. Actually, he was doing a classical tour. And um, the school that I was attending in Detroit, Michigan at the time was one of the best uh, jazz schools, um, high schools. The teacher comes and says, well, Winton Marcellus is going to be coming to our school to do a master class. And I was like, wow, that was the guy I just saw on the news last night. You know, I didn't really know that much of him, you know, I didn't know the, the, the Marcellus family or you know, the legacy or anything like that. Um, so Winton comes to school and the song that he wanted to play was Night in Tunisia. And that happened to be the song that I was playing. He counts it off and we start playing. And I started playing what I heard on the radio, which was like, you know, I don't know. It was like the, the radio station in Detroit at that time was like a, it was a jazz radio station, but what they were really playing was a lot of um, smooth jazz and, and fusion. Okay. But being 15 years old, I didn't know the difference. I was just like, okay, that's jazz. They said this is jazz, so that's what I'm going to play. So I, I started playing some like pseudo, you know, I don't know let's say like a Phil Collins, you know, Stuart Copeland type of beat or something like that. And so Winton turns around, stops the band, and he questions me. He's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, <laughs> we're playing Night in Tunisia, right? That's what you, you, you called. Right. Says, yeah, I, want remind, playing... I want to remind listeners, this is happening in front of a live <clears throat> audience, right? This is happening in front of about... 250 students. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's good. It was, Go on, please. Because, yeah, because it was, you know, went to Marcellus. It was like a, sure. a big deal uh -huh. to see this. So this is about 250 students. So Winton stops, you know, he questions me, and he's like, yeah, so what is that? And I'm like, well, I'm, I'm playing like whatever, Night in Tunisia. He said, where'd you get that? It was like, well, I kind of, you know, part of it's me and part of it's what I heard on radio. And then he says, have you ever heard of Art Blakey? And I was like, Art Lakey, uh, <laughs> not really. <laughs> for, for, for our non-jazz listeners, this is a legendary jazz musician that he's talking about. Like legend, legend, legendary yeah. jazz musician. And so, um, and Winton shakes his head, and then uh, Winton says, give me the six, let me show you what Art Blakey would play. And so I get up, I give Winton the sticks, and Winton sits down. And Winton, you know, he's not a drummer. He's a, you know, he can play piano, he plays trumpet, but he could, you know, assimilate this, this Art Blakey beat. And when he finished playing, everybody, all the students looked at each other, they're like, oh, it made this noise. And, and I just got smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. And he was like, yeah, well, you know, can you play that? I could not play that. I was like, I don't even know what that is. You know, I had never heard somebody break it up that way. And he told me, he was like, man, you gotta really do your homework if you're gonna be playing this music. And after the um, assembly, 
I went to him. I was like, man, can you show, can you teach me that? Where, where can I learn that? How, what, what do I need to do? I'm like, my heart is open. You've, you've trampled on it. Now it's a, you know, it's a, it's a clean slate. Just teach me. I'm here to, <laughs> to be taught. And I think he, you know, he, he, he respected that. And he was like, man, if you really want to do it, then I'll tell you what to do. And from that point on, 10th grade, I stayed in touch with him. Man, I would write letters. I would call. I would, anytime he was in town. I even drove from Detroit to uh, Washington, D.C. in a snowstorm to see him play at Blues Alley. It was just like, you know, I just made this guy like my like mentor, like it, immediately. And for me to see like an African-American like with a suit on, like very well-spoken, could play classical, could play jazz, um, so I was like, man, if this guy can do it, then I should be able to do it. Clarence Penn joining us here on Musicians Spotlight. I'm also joined today by Montana percussionist and drummer Ed Stalling. Clarence, in addition to Wynton Marsalis having a huge impact in your life, I know his father, Ellis, was also a mentor and had a major influence as well. You studied with him at Virginia Commonwealth University, spent a lot of time with him and his wife on a personal level. And Ed, I think you were maybe the first one who told me this story. Clarence, if I recall correctly, like when you when you went on your first tour with him, you had this whole idea of like what touring was going to be like and that and that and that he that he like the first night brought you 
a um, a book of bot corrals for you to work on. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Ed, do you want to touch on that a little bit? Yeah, I know. I know you've got a big classical influence in terms of you being an, an arranger and a composer. You mentioned that you drove what from Detroit to Washington D.C. to mm-hmm. to see Winton, and I one time drove eight hours from Montana to Seattle to watch you play. Uh, Monk the Lost Files. <laughs> <laughs> you recall that it was, you know, it was yeah. w- well worth the drive there and back just to see that one night at the the Ballard Jazz Festival. But and I was wondering if you could just talk a little bit about that project and how you conceptually approach that kind of an undertaking. Wow. Well, thank you. Um, Monk has always been one of my my favorite musicians. Um, he always he had brought personality to the to the stage and to the to the music. Um, so when I set out to do the project, I, I didn't want to rearrange the music or really mess with the melodic aspect too much. I wanted the song to still be recognizable, but I, 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 being a drummer, of course, I wanted to, to come from the bottom and, and you know mess with the rhythm, mess with the, the harmonic movement. Um, and uh, incidentally, the harmonic move, my harmonic ideas would, you know, come from listening to Stravinsky, listening to Bach, listening to, you know, all of those classical composers, the way they move around. Um, and so I basically, that, that Monk record is like a, a culmination of, of all my classical influence, along with the jazz, along with the funk, along with the pop, along with just, you know, where I was um, up until that, that point. I wanted to keep the melody pure, and I in the harmonies I, I kept the harmonies pretty much close to to what Monk um, wrote. Only one that I changed was um, "In Walk Bud," and I didn't really change it that much. I really, after reading the story, I don't know if you guys know the story. It was such a sad story, um, you know, Bud loved Monk, and Bud was at a, a concert in Philadelphia. And well, it wasn't a concert. It was like a, a gig in a in a shed or something like that. And this was during the time when, you know, prohibition and and all of that stuff was happening. And so the the police they they bust up the gig, they break in or whatever. They come in and they have Monk, you know, uh, hands behind the back, behind his back, and he's against the wall. And they're like really roughing him up. And but Powell stands up and he says, "Wait a minute, this guy is like." A treasure you can't treat him this way whatever you know he comes in and the police officer at the time you know I guess he, he he's thinking that Bud is going to attack him or, or something like that which you know is a little suspect so the police he hits him hits Bud in the head with a baton and and Bud Powell from that point on you guys know he had like um, you know he had definitely you know he suffered from really bad headaches and he had mental um, issues after that but um after and and then monk ended up writing that song in walk bud for bud and he wrote that song um to be like as a as a gift to bud not necessarily to be played in public or, or whatever he wanted to this is like something that i i'm giving you this is what i wrote for you and um and when i read that i was like there's no way I can do this song the same or even play this song with whatever I was thinking before. You know, because the melody, if you listen to it, it kind of sounds 
It sounds, at least for me, I thought it was more of a happy. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. Bud is coming in. He's just stepping in the room, and and, but like when I when I read the story, it was like, whoa, that's completely the opposite. Yeah. So you would never know. You would never know of that story by listening to the song. Right. So, but when I'm sitting, I, you know, I write at the piano, and so I'm playing just the first couple of chords. And, you know, I'm not like Muck and on the piano, I'm pretty basic, but I'm playing them really slow and I'm just playing the first couple of chords over and over. Just really slow. I'm like, wow, this is, this song seems to live right here for me. You know, there is a, there, there was light at the end of the tunnel, you know, I mean, mm -hmm. Bud went on and he, he did make a, a huge impact to the music and, and as well as Monk and, you know, um, I, you know, at the end, the way we end, Gerald Clayton played a wonderful, solo on that on that piece um and when you listen to his solo you can almost hear like that whole story you can hear where you know the the police come in you can hear the 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 somber part you can hear the energy it's just it just really came together i'm really proud of that one yeah thank you ed
We'll be back with more of our visit with Clarence Penn here on Musicians Spotlight. Welcome back to Musicians Spotlight and our visit with drummer, composer, arranger, and band leader Clarence Penn. This is John Floridas, and you're listening to Musicians Spotlight. I'm joined by drummer, composer, and band leader Clarence Penn, and I'm also joined today by Montana drummer and percussionist Ed Stalling. Ed, you had another question for Clarence around his ability to just kind of change musical aims quickly, and not only stylistically, but culturally as well. Do you want to expound on that? Clarence, you bring together such a palette of world rhythms and... um... I wanted to touch on that. One time I was talking to you and I said, what's your next month look like? And it was something like, well, in a couple of days I leave for 
you know, Argentina, I'm playing with a tango artist. And then from there, I'm going to Peru with doing some Peruvian rhythms on a cajon. And uh, maybe next with Richard Galliano, an accordionist, you know, playing some classical and some jazz. And then off to Brazil, some Brazil rhythms. And then back to New York, some straight ahead jazz at the jazz standard, you know. And then off to Japan with Makoto Ozoni, which is a mix of classical and jazz. And, and it's just amazing. How do you prepare for that kind of a schedule, that, those kinds of dates? where the music's so different. There's so much variety in it. I've always tried to keep my, my palette really, like, open. You know, like, even, like, jazz is the foundation. I, I respect it the most. But the thing that I love about jazz is that you can bring any type of music to jazz. And as long as you, you, you bring it in with respect, then it's, 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 it's accepted, you know. Um, I never wanted to, like, lock myself into a corner and and think that you know oh the jazz musician can't play pop or can't play uh music of south america or whatever it for me I, whatever the music that i that i wanted to to play i wanted to sound completely authentic doing that it's like cooking for me i love cooking it's like in different ingredients who you know you well if you're making a soup the, 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 the palate is wide open, you know. Of course, you have the foundation. Okay, you need you need broth. <laughs> so that's the foundation. But any in everything that, you, that you've come across, you can bring that in. But like I said, with respect to what you're trying to do. So, you know, that's the way that I look at um, playing with Makoto or playing with Maria or playing, you know, in, in tango. When I, when I played with those musicians in South America with playing tango music, they were like, man you really sound like you've listened to this music and i said yeah i have listened to it and i listened to it with respect i listened to it with me not trying to force my my musical idea on top of 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 the music i need to get inside of the music first and understand what the music is about before i go and and change it around anything that i study i really try to 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 understand the essence the the at the core and once I once I I feel like I get to a point where where I'm humbled by that music, and when when that when once I'm humbled, then I can approach the music, and then I can start changing it. Because it you know once you get to the point where you're humbled by something, then that 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 canvas is clean. That's the way that I look at it. It's like everything's been stripped away. Now you can really add something. When I, when I first started playing with David Sanchez, who's from Puerto Rico, um, we're playing, you know, Cuban-based uh, music or Latin-based music and, and these rhythms from, from Puerto Rico. I just came off the road with Steps Ahead. I had no idea what I was doing. You know, I was crossing claves. I was doing everything that you do wrong, you know? And, and, and David, you know, the guys in the sure. band, the piano player, the percussionist, they would like yell in Spanish, like, no, 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 you know, they want to stop everything. And because you, you know, it's like, it's like, you know, sacrilege <laughs> to, to do what I was doing. But, but David was like, you know, you know, I trust Clarence, he's going right. to get it together. And, and I was like, I am going to get it together. I, I felt really bad. I can remember that, that one, one day we were rehearsing and that happened. And I went to the room, I was like, all right. David, which recordings do I need to listen to? And then he gave me a list of recordings of like old music, you know, just okay. the like the classics. 
and I went to the room and I, it just it was on on constantly constantly and within a few few days I, the music started I, I started to get an idea of what I had to do and and I remember the guys stopping in, in rehearsal one day and they, they turned around and they looked at me and they're just like and they, they didn't say anything but they just nodded they're just like okay this guy has been doing his homework and that you know that's what it's about really I humbled myself again to this music and that way I think when you do that then mm -hmm. the music opens up to you.
Clarence, I wanted to touch on your composing and uh, maybe touch on this. Again, another quote I have attributed to you, piano is a drummer's best friend. Uh, and I wondered, you know, and, and Ed and I were talking about this earlier, you know, if, if the composition process for you comes from the piano or how composition works for you in general. Hmm. Uh, that's a great question. Um, for me, it definitely starts on piano. You know, I'll let you in on a, on a, on a secret. Like the drum part to any of my songs is always the last part to, uh -huh. to come. That makes and, sense. Which I can is hard that. though, really? Because I, I know a lot of drummers, like if, if you listen to, this is another thing, if you listen to, let's say, a lot of, uh, a lot of drummers, you can tell, you're like, hmm, that sounds like, you know, that groove is fantastic. It, it's, it comes from that, that rhythm, from that foundation, you know? Mm -hmm. And you're like, oh, it's in seven, it's in 13, it's in this weird thing, you know? Like, <laughs> so you write a tune around a groove that you can really play the crap out of, right? You just, you know, you can do that. Whereas for me, I hear this harmonic or this rhythm-based thing from the piano, and by the time I get all the parts in, I'm like, yes, it sounds great oh shoot, what am I gonna do for the drums? And so oh, I have to go back Very interesting. And, 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 and learn a part, you know? Even with the, the um, going back to um, In Walk Bud, man, I, I, I could not, he I didn't hear anything for a long time for that, you know? And, and thing, it, I think it worked out because the drums, like, I think the drums would have got in the way had I, approach that tune from from a drummer's point of view you know or from mm -hmm. a rhythm point of view you know right. um i like to I, I think the piano is, is is drummer's best friend because once again of course everything is there on the piano right you got the bass you got the horns you got the you can use the, the middle part of the key to you know to approximate the horns or you can use it as a piano and then you have melody at the top part of the piano so your whole orchestra is right there in front of you um, I think when you when you're writing from the piano, you have to surrender to the piano. You cannot, you know, it's uh, you cannot like force force yourself on top of on the piano. You know, I think you have to you you, you put your hands down and your fingers down, and 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 almost like kind of for me, I just let my hands go to where they want to go. Like I don't for like I'm like oh I'm gonna write in B flat minor I I don't even think about that I just start playing and this is okay what key am I in okay that's then that's where this this tune is gonna live so you know um, Ellis told me years ago when we were doing that you know the Bach chorales and all that stuff he was like yeah Clarence uh, I see that you don't really play piano by the time you finish with me you're gonna you're gonna be you're gonna be able to play the piano because drummers should be able to play piano. And I was like, well, really? <laughs> you know, so, <laughs> you know, um, but he was right. I mean, like, that's, that's, everything is there, you know. You don't, you know, you don't, you know, we don't have a, you have to learn armature and all of this stuff with trumpet and, and, and tenor and a wind instrument, but piano, you don't have to have a, a lot of technique to be able to play out a melody or to play a chord or to do anything like that, so. That's why I look at it as, as uh, you know, our best friend. Everything is there, you know, and every and yeah, everything for me 
starts at the piano. Yeah, at the piano, even if it's a bass, like I may hear a bass phrase uh, or bass groove, I hear that and immediately I'm thinking, okay, what would the piano part be to that? As opposed to like, whoa, what's the drum part? Like, it, it really doesn't happen that way.
Clarence Penn joining us here on Musician Spotlight, and I'm also joined by drummer and percussionist Ed Stalling. Clarence, we've talked about a lot of deep things musically. Um, Betty Carter, of course, is is very much in the forefront of musicians that have uh, that you've collaborated with and that have had a big influence on you. But beyond her singing, I understand there's another lesson that she uh, uh, imparted on you in terms of uh, whether or not to take a hot bath at any given moment. <laughs> tell, tell us the story. We, we need to kind of wrap up the interview here, but I, okay. I love this story because... <laughs> no, no, we'll keep it, I'll, I'll keep it yeah, quick. Yeah. I'll keep it short. <laughs> so, you know, we're 20, you know, 21, 23, 20, whatever. We're under 25, you know, um, and we're out here on the road. And for me, and um, it was my first time being on the road, like, intensely like that, you know. This was our, I think we had just started our six-week tour of Europe, six weeks of one-nighters. So, I mean, a different city, almost different country every night for six weeks. And this was like my, you know, I was on the road with Ellis, but we would go out on the weekend. So that was, you know. But you're talking about six weeks of carrying your suitcase and symbols, getting on and off trains and planes and cars and all of that kind of stuff. So, you know, we're doing it. We get to, um, you know, a beautiful hotel. We're in like Spain and Madrid. And, um, you know, we, we get there. It's like a spa kind of situation. We go in. There's a, you know, huge bathtub. I go in. I just completely, I spa it out. I, I you know, I get in the tub and everything. And we come down for sound check and we get the sound check and we're playing and then Betty turns around she's like, You took a bath, didn't you? I was like, What? <laughs> of course. She's like, I told you guys you don't take a bath when you're on the road. And I was just like, you know, and then she said, You know why? I was like, well, I mean, that doesn't make any sense, Betty. I mean we should take a bath. She's like, When you take a bath, it slows you down. That I don't need. I don't want you guys relaxed like that for, for the gig. I need that energy. I need you to be on top of the game, and that's basically what she meant. And it makes sense. And even you know, thirty years later, I still think about that. I'm like, okay, do I want to take a bath before <laughs> going <laughs> that's down? That's what I was going to get before, at, Yeah, because you know, you know, you don't want to get. I think it's kind of. It's similar to what sports guys do, right? Like, I think they, they have, like, a regime. Like, they don't want to, like, before a football game, like, they don't want to get too relaxed. And so they stay, uh-huh. you know, they, they, they're in this, this mind, mind uh, set. So I think that's what Betty was talking about. And um, it's amazing how, you know, she was, uh, you know, a special a special person. But she had all of these these things, these um, what, which I thought were like kind of strange at the time. But like I'm thinking about it, like I say, 30 years later, it was just like she was imparting all of this knowledge on us and teaching us, you know, how to be, you know, successful musicians and 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 deal with being out here on the road. Because Betty was the only one out of all three of four of us that was, you know, every morning she's down at 4 a.m. got her suitcases ready. She's like. In on and off these trains, and I never saw her, like you know, look like she was like you know crumbling. Whereas mm. if you look at me and Cyrus and the bass player, like we're like struggling, like we're twenty, but we're struggling pulling our suitcases and like cymbals and like you know we're tired. <laughs> but she was like you know on top of it, and you know she was just trying to teach us how to get to that point, you know, get to that place. So yeah, guys, definitely don't take baths when you get tired. <laughs> Unless Clarence, I, I, I know there's this the school of Betty Carter. I heard you tell that story years ago, and to this day, 
you do a sound check, you've got a couple hours, you go back to the hotel, I'm going to take a hot bath, and I, and I remember that story, and I don't do it either. So, yeah, no. So her, her, her teachings live on, you know, I just want, <laughs> want to let you know Long that. Long live Betty, yeah. <laughs> Now you must love some life is hers alone To learn, to be, to see, to give, to take, and to find But grown-up life is really all about To find her voice in life Clarence Pen.com is the name of the website. We want to direct listeners to go check out. I'm going to spell his last name again. It's just got two N's, P-E-N-N, ClarencePen.com. Ed Stalling joining me again today for this interview. Clarence, thank you so much for making time to chat with us here and talk shop on Musician Spotlight. Uh, it's just been a real treat getting a chance to, to visit with you and uh, and hear your stories and hear your wisdom that you've imparted in your playing and in your teaching. I know you're very, very involved in teaching. Um, yeah, it's just been, it's been a real treat getting a chance to visit with you. Thank you. Thanks, John. Keep doing what you're doing, man. This is fantastic. This is John Floridist. You've been listening to Musicians Spotlight. Our guest today has been Clarence Penn. If you'd like to contact us, you can do so through the Montana Public Radio website, mtpr.org, as well as through our own website, musicianspotlight.org. You can also find us online on Facebook and on Twitter. Our program is available as a podcast from those websites, as well as through iTunes and Spotify. Musicians Spotlight is a production of Montana Public Radio.